Hi, my name is Gina, and welcome to Letters to My Daughters. Uh, today we're going to talk about grace. It's sort of an enigmatic idea from the Bible, and I'm going to try to break that down uh, so that we can all understand it a little bit better. When I look into the sweet face of my youngest child, so many thoughts rush through my mind. I know I'm going to miss holding my baby. I know that one day, these toes that I kiss are going to flounce onto a graduation stage, down a wedding aisle, and out into the world. These precious feet will touch soil that I have never seen. They will walk paths that may intersect mine, but she will walk a journey all her own. All my children will walk in their own way on roads of their choosing. Sometimes my children steal my shoes and they clomp around the house toddling and giggling. I wonder if my girls have big shoes to fill. I wonder if they see me and think that I am worth following. These impish little daughters that God has given me make me smile. They teach me what it means to play. They teach me grace. I used to think that grace meant the act of being graceful. I pictured a poised woman balancing books on her head as she recited poetry or something. But grace in the sense of God is so much bigger than a woman's ability to be poised. Grace is the presence of unconditional love in a broken, sinful world. It is the favor and blessing that God gives to us even though we don't deserve it. I am learning grace through my girls through my efforts in loving them unconditionally, through receiving gifts I do not deserve. Grace in the Bible covers so many aspects of our lives, from our speech and our actions, to our standing with God, to our suffering, to our futures. But what is biblical grace? I think grace is a constant state of kindness and consideration toward others. That sounds hard. It would take real intentionality to show kindness constantly. If our impulses reveal our truest selves and we want to be like Christ, it would take a total overhaul of all of our mental habits and ingrained reactions to truly live a grace-filled life. That would take immense effort and mindfulness. I think that's why I have so much admiration for the grace my daughters express to me. They have the benefit of youth, of not having many bad habits yet. As a mom, it's an opportunity for me to set up safeguards against some of those less grace-filled habits they can form, the ones I have but fight against. It takes constant and willful strength against my own nature to show grace to others. Being Christ-like is not easy. My husband likes to refer to the death of oneself as true sanctification, but our nature rebels against that death. We are hardwired survivors, and death is the enemy, right? If I have shifted my eyes from survival to sanctification, death is actually a welcome good thing. And not only the death that puts my body in a grave, but the kind of death that says that I am a humble servant of the Lord made in his image, created for a purpose that I did not choose. 
It isn't a numbing of the mind. It isn't not having my own thoughts and opinions. And it isn't being a robot of the church. Death to myself gives life to others. Mark 8.35 says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. We may be hardwired survivors, but if we can overcome that overwhelming desire to live for this world and instead live knowing the best is yet to come, that we are only temporary citizens of this soil, our survival is guaranteed. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In Romans 6 it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Here's the thing. You can't have grace if you are holding on to sin. And it doesn't have to be big sin, like telling lies or twisting truths, thinking unkind things about other people, or passing judgment, or trying to control justice. Those are all things that can feel really justified, but they're truly sinful. It's easy enough to go to church, hear a sermon, and think to yourself, I'm not that big of a sinner. I don't do all of those things and go home and continue stuck in your way of thinking. Do you realize that you are forcing God into a shoebox in your closet? Do you realize that you are telling God that you know what is best for you? Do you realize that you have created a king of convenience rather than submitting to a gracious God? So how do you find this grace, break these habits, and start fresh? First, give yourself grace. God is not a father of guilt and shame. He knows everything you've ever thought, and yet he doesn't reject you for it. Don't reject yourself either. Pick one of the smallest habits you have. Do you judge people for how they look? Stop yourself in your tracks and remind yourself of Peter 4.8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to Letters to My Daughters. Uh, If you feel like this podcast could help somebody else, I encourage you to share it and to subscribe. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.